0: Then, as I said in my book, what happened was whenever the phone rang, they would yell, Liz, phone! And I thought, oh my God, I got my MBA and now I'm the receptionist. And then I went to my boss and I said, I finished all my work because I was going in at seven, staying till midnight thinking that would show them that I was not the assistant. He said, oh, well, you could go around to the guys and ask them what supplies they need. Then go into the supply closet and see what else we need. The point is, of course, I realized then that environment wasn't for me and it. happened that the industry was also not for me. But yes, when they ask you to do those things, as you just said, don't make the coffee, don't take the notes, show them the value you can add. And then if they're not valuing you, move on.
1: Hi, Money Movers. I cannot express to you how excited and thrilled I am for today's episode. A few months ago I was invited by UBS to attend a women's forum called Own Your Worth and there was a keynote speaker who really moved me. She has such an inspiring story. She is an entrepreneur, she is a philanthropist. She has a foundation that she started called Elizabeth Elting Foundation. She's a mother, she's a feminist and She is a best-selling author of Dream Big and Win, Translating Passion into Purpose and Creating a Billion-Dollar Business. And as you know, my company is called Dream Big Ventures. So it was like, it's the universe. This is meant to be. And this woman's story resonated with me so much. And here we are today with Liz Elting. Oh, thank
0: you so much, Stacy. That was beautiful, and yes, we are soul sisters. Here we are. We're proponents of dreaming big, and yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here.
1: Thank you. So this was actually a book of the month as well for Dream Big. So within for our audience and our her money movers, and who better to learn it from than? an expert like yourself. I know that you started off at NYU and started the business out of your dorm room after graduation. But can you share with us, what were your beginnings and your origin story? How did you start TransPerfect? So
0: by the time I had graduated from high school, I was 17 and I had studied four languages and new languages were my passion but never thought I would do anything with them because what on earth do you do with languages other than teach? And I was interested in business. I knew that early on because another thing that happened from my growing up is even though we were in a fortunate position where my family could pay for things, my parents encouraged me to work and to be self-sufficient. Then when I did go to college, I loved languages still, didn't know what on earth I would do with them, but realized I could major in them. So I thought... Actually, what happened was I called my dad again and I said, dad, I have to decide what I'm going to major in by tomorrow morning to declare my major, love languages, but I don't know what I'm going to do with them. And he said, don't worry, just pursue your passion and the rest will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. And so I did, I followed his advice. Okay. So graduated from college after doing my junior year in Spain where I fell in love with Spanish and that became my favorite language and Spain became my favorite place. And then after college worked in Venezuela. So at that point, lots of wonderful international experience, new languages were my passion. And then when I came back to New York at age 21, I was fortunate enough to find an opportunity working at another or at a translation company. This was in 1987 before... There was a lot of translation going on, or so I thought. So this company was incredibly valuable to me. I started in production, was able to move over to sales. And during that time, I really learned the industry. And I learned that I loved the industry. But I saw a gap between what clients needed and what was available in the industry as far as service and quality and a number of other things. Ended up going back to school, got my MBA from NYU, and again, went through, what do I major in? And I thought, wow, well... I was in the translation industry. It doesn't really pay that well, and uh, I need to be more practical. So I majored in finance. And what was interesting about that is finance was not my passion, but I thought it was secure, thought it was a good place to be, and then combined it with international business. And the bottom line is I tried out finance very briefly. I got a job doing equity arbitrage for the proprietary trading division of a French bank. Did this right after NYU but realized after only four weeks that I was miserable. I was miserable for two reasons. One is there was latent sexism going on in the office. This was in the early 90s. I was the only woman in an all-male financial department. Let me tell you, <laughs> some
1: things haven't changed. Something I you know. know. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are women who are feeling suffocated Absolutely. and they're in very toxic environments in their, in their companies.
0: Right. And— for them, so I mean, and I, I will just wrap this up but as far as what I'm saying. But yes, after only four weeks, wow. I, yeah, I made a huge mistake. I knew I loved the translation industry. I did think it could be done better, but I'm my MBA. How am I going to quit? My parents just largely paid for my MBA. But I just thought, I cannot go through life this way. I mean, first of all, dealing with the sexism, but also I didn't want another job in finance. It was not for me. It was very dry. A lot of inputting numbers into spreadsheets. It was doing equity arbitrage. So after only four weeks, I said to my boss, I'm so sorry. I made a huge mistake. How much time do you need? I want to resign. And he said, Liz, two weeks is fine. (laughs) So I stayed another two weeks. And after six weeks, I quit and started TransPerfect out of an NYU business school dorm room. And that's yes. what led to it. But that's why it wasn't, what should I do? It was more that the whole love for languages and international business was there and evolved over the years.
1: Yes, I remember reading that chapter and you how instead of valuing you for your expertise in your financial MBA from NYU, they had you answering phones And ordering office supplies, you know, and it's so ridiculous. So I just want to share with our money movers, I always tell them, do not take the notes. Remember that you are an expert and you have your degree. So don't let anyone devalue that. You actually have a lot to contribute. Don't be shy about putting your hand up for things, you know, that you know you qualify for. Don't be shy and Asking for what you want and going for it.
0: Yes. And I will say it. And then, you know, if this is helpful, yes, you remember it well, Stacey. Literally, I went in there and I thought, okay, I'm going to do equity arbitrage. And I have my MBA. This is exciting. Showed up. Only woman there. And then, as I said in my book, what happened was whenever the phone rang, they would yell, Liz, phone, phone. And I thought, oh, my God, I got my MBA, and now I'm the receptionist. And then I went to my boss, and I said, I finished all my work because I was going in at 7, staying till midnight, thinking that would show them that I was not the assistant. He said, oh, well, you could go around to the guys and ask them what supplies they need, and then go in the supply closet and see what else we need. The point is, of course, I realized then that environment wasn't for me, and it so happened that the industry was also not for me. But yes, when they ask you to do those things, as you just said, don't make the coffee, don't take the notes, mm-hmm. show them the value you can add. And then if they're not valuing you, move on,
1: exactly. go elsewhere. Yes.
0: Or, and this is why I started TransPerfect. I, I saw a need in the industry, but I also thought if I don't like the culture hear it. Paresco, that was the name of the company. I'm going to build my own culture and make it the best culture out there. That was the idea. That was the goal. And that's what I highly encourage anyone to do who's not loving their situation, because we have systemic issues in this country. Not enough women on boards, not enough women in C-level positions, not enough women in senior management. And then, of course, we don't even have required paid maternal leave, family leave. So Go and create that at your own company. That's right. And you don't have to have a brand new idea that's never been done. You can do it simply by doing something better. And that's what led me to start TransPerfect.
1: So I also remember reading in the book, and it wasn't easy in the beginning. You were having to make thousands of cold calls through the phone book. (laughs) You were staying in a dorm and there were roaches, but you something in you like you didn't quit no and and i will say and i see i will say i couldn't quit
0: because I needed to be able to pay the bills. And we were coming out of a recession. Recession was still going. It would have been hard to find a new job. And also, I didn't know what I wanted to do more. I knew I had loved the translation industry. I thought it's just a case of sticking with this and not quitting. And that's what I encourage everyone to do because the days can be very grim early on when you're starting a company. I mean, I don't think we had our first incoming client call and a project that went along with it until I had made thousands of phone calls and sent out thousands of letters. But just keep with it. Don't quit because it does pay off. And then what happens is you think, wow, I need to do all that to get one small project. But what happens then is things explode. What happens is that small project can lead to multiple projects from the same client or from Referrals that they make to other clients. And those multiple projects can turn to million dollar relationships, multi million dollar relationships. So even though it can take six months or a year to get one project, again, then it explodes after that. And that's why I say in my book, and I say it all the time the first million dollars is by far. The toughest.
1: And yes, and I do remember you saying that when I heard you speak. So today, there are 13 million women owned businesses in the United States, accounting for 42% of all companies, per a study by American Express. And this equates to approximately $1.8 trillion per year. So I know that there's a lot of women, like you said, that first million is the hardest to get to. So can you share? some of those strategies and how, the how that you got there, because so many women are in that maybe $400,000 range and it's just so difficult to get to that million dollars. So. Yes. Yes. And
0: for us, what we did, and this was in the early nineties, we started in the end of 1992. So back then what I would do is I would get on the phone and make 300 phone calls a day to different companies, large companies, fortune 1000 companies. And, and, ask who at the company would have a need for translation services. And then once I got the name of at least one person at the company, I would send a letter out to that person offering our services. Now, that's probably not how it would be done. Now it would be done through perhaps email, a certain number of LinkedIn connections that you're reaching out to. But the point was high number every day for an extended period of time. And this went on every day until we got to a million. But then when we were at 5 million and 10 million and 100 million and 500 million, and I guess the point there is it gets easier to get the business. You don't need to make as many calls or send out as many letters or emails or LinkedIn messages But you need to stick with it. And then, of course, as you scale your company, it's not just you doing it, you have a team doing it. But it's a case of sticking with it. And I think a few important things for entrepreneurs who are stuck at that level, I think you don't want to just think, oh, I met the right person, I'm going to be all over them. I mean, you do that, of course, and you Let them know what you can offer them that no one else can as far as being more service-oriented, being more innovative, being more as though you're in their business, like working personally for them. You do that, but then you also reach out to many others because it is a numbers game and you never know who's going to need your services. So don't forget about the volume as you're trying to get to a million dollars and beyond. You need the combination. So I think those are important Lessons for that. Also, I know so many amazing entrepreneurs who have these great ideas. They're terrific salespeople, and they have a great back end to their company. But they are the salesperson, the one salesperson, and that is no good because how can you scale a company to ten million, or a hundred million, or five hundred million if you are the salesperson? You need to build the sales team under you or alongside you or however you want to put it. And you need to do that early on. And the key is compensate them the way you would want to be compensated, whereby if they're not successful, they're not making much and you're not paying them much of anything. But if they are successful, they're making more than they would elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And I talk about that in the book. And I think that's very important. Another thing that women or entrepreneurs can do in this situation is partnerships. Partnerships are great. Like, and I did this early on when we really had not even a little money to spend on draw, like a draw as far as for salespeople, like a minimum base. And one of my earliest clients came through this. Someone said, "Okay, hi Liz, I have a client who would have a need for our your service. How about?" you give the work to me. I'm sorry, they give the work to me and I give it to you. So basically, they take a cut.
1: Say so like a subcontract.
0: Yes. And the specific example there is, I rem- remember, we would pay our salespeople 10% of revenue, for example, if they got a client. In this case, we would pay the partner 5% mm-hmm. for bringing in the business and they would send it our way as soon as they got it. And that is great because you're only paying... If you're selling, you're only spending money if you have revenue attached to it. Mm. So I think that's incredibly valuable. So work on those partnerships because they're free. So those are a couple of the examples. And I you know, I talk about building that world-class sales team, but that is so critical. And that's what we did. And ultimately, we had the largest in the industry and were able to create the largest company in the industry. The other thing I'd say is as far as how you compensate people is when you compensate people, and a lot of, I think, companies do this in not the best way. They'll pay a salesperson a certain amount on the first job or job projects they bring in in the first year from a given client, but then the commission goes down. We didn't do that. The commission is the same on that first job from a given client to the hundredth job to the thousandth job. They're still making their same percent, whatever it is, 10%. That's really important because as we know, it gets a lot easier to Get repeat business than it is to get that first project from a client.
1: That's incredible. So, how did you scale to then a hundred cities and a billion dollar business?
0: The way we scaled to a hundred offices, and this is what I haven't really gotten to. But we would say to someone, "Okay, can you please open the LA office for example? Okay, we're going to start with you alone in the office. If you sell fifty thousand dollars a month for three consecutive months, then." We can bring in a second person. If the two of you sell $120,000 for three consecutive months, we can bring in a third person. And the reason that's so important is we're only adding people if we're bringing in the revenue to pay for it. Mm -hmm. This is not using other people's money. It's not through funding. So we feel secure that we can pay for this overhead. So that's how we built it to 100 offices. So a couple things related to that, you know, one of the things I like to say is say it, set it, do it, like say what your big goal is, mm-hmm. so your overall goal, your vision. In our case, it was to create the world's largest translation company. And the reason I decided I wanted to do that is when we started, there were 10,000 translation companies out there, but they were tiny. They were mom and pops, which were fabulous companies, but they were started and run by translators who were so busy translating, they couldn't scale their company. So I thought, okay, say it. The goal is to build the largest, the world's premier. And then, okay, set goals to get there. And these were revenue goals and then the actions that we needed to do each day to get to those revenue goals. Don't think of your career in terms of 10, 15, 20 years or that first job out of college or business school in that long-term way. Instead, just think of the next couple of years. What do you want to be doing for the next couple of years? And then You'll learn from that. You'll grow from that. You'll have opportunities from that. In my case, if it hadn't worked out, after two years, I could have said, okay, didn't work out. I'll go get a, another job. But in my case, it did work out. But then you're sort of off the hook for feeling like you're taking such a major risk. It's only a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think that's how you oh, yeah. have to look at it. But back to I was saying what I was saying with the goals is say it, set it, do it. So set the goals and then do it. Hold yourself accountable each and every day. Be tough on yourself. Don't get distracted by all the things in our lives because it's too easy. But that's why. Another thing I talk about is compartmentalizing. But it's not enough just to talk about it. You have to figure out all the things. The say it, set it, do it, and yeah. then do it You have every to take day. action. Yes. Absolutely.
1: And so what inspired you to write Dream Big and Win?
0: I wrote Dream Big and Win because it's the book I wished I had had when I started my career, when I was back in my 20s. I wrote it as kind of a beach read, business read. I tried to make it fun, funny, authentic, Vulnerable because I wanted it to be very readable and because it's all of
1: those things. Thank you. We thank really you. delivered
0: on that. Well, thank you. Because I did, when I was in my 20s, read every business book I could get my hands on, especially once I was starting my company. And what I found is a lot of them I couldn't relate to. Yeah. Some
1: of them are boring as hell. They and can like, be so just boring. Like <laughs> they can be so boring. And, you know, they were
0: all, I mean, written and by, why?
1: It's like, hey, making money and running a business can also be fun it and can interesting. Be it yes. Matter.
0: And there the
1: highs and the
0: lows. And I wanted to understand the entrepreneurs as people too and what their values were. And I wanted to learn what they did right, but also what they did wrong. So I wouldn't make those mistakes. And so I tried to make it again, much more open, authentic, vulnerable and fun and funny. So that's why I did it because it's the book I'd wished I'd had. And as I said, I learned so much. I mean, how could I not learn in 26 years of building a company? And Some of it was from what I did right, and a bunch of it was from what I did wrong. And I wanted to share those lessons because I've found since I sold five years ago, my favorite thing to do is to speak to entrepreneurs and to share what I've learned and and to learn from them because they're doing things differently now. We're in a whole different world, and I love
1: that too. So Liz, you wrote this amazing book, sold your billion-dollar business, and so now you've started... An incredible foundation, the Elizabeth Elting Foundation. Can you tell us what the mission is and how can we support it?
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Stacey. So, yes, I started the foundation because I found while I was working, I saw a lot of issues. And and by the way, one of the things I say is, Work today like no one else will so you can live and give tomorrow like no one else can. Mm. And so that's wow. what I that's try to powerful. do. Thank you. Thank you. So I did work incredibly hard. And so many entrepreneurs do. That's how you build big companies. And I think anyone who's successful works incredibly hard. I mean, that's the two go together, hand in hand. But so during those 26 years, it was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of crazy hours. I remember there were times I would say to myself, is this worth it? And I remember we we would say that. And then the goal was to do precisely that work today, like no one else would. So In my case, I could live and give tomorrow like no one else could. So I saw a lot of problems along the way with women, how women were treated. Sometimes it was me. Sometimes it was the women at my company and other women I met in business. And then also people from diverse communities, people from marginalized populations, how they were treated. And then I also felt, along with those issues, I'm one of the lucky ones. I was brought up in a good family that valued education and hard work and let me take my risk, and I was able to become successful. So should I just somehow pick up somewhere around that? Yes. So anyway, I know I am one of the fortunate ones and is said, to whom much is given, much is required, and I truly feel that way. I feel like I was Born in the right place at the right time to the right family. I had the right experiences and I met the right people. And yes, I worked hard, but it could have been entirely different. I could have been born in a different situation. So I wanted to give back. So that's the reason we started the foundation. And now we focus on, a lot on women, a lot on people from diverse communities, a lot on entrepreneurs, on education, on health, on a number of things. I mean, everything- I have
1: a feeling we're going to be working together. (laughs) That would be amazing.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's everything from women and women entrepreneurs. And we do that through NYU Stern, Endless Frontier Labs, and a number of scholarships for their MBA women students. We do that. We're on a 10 year program with them and um, do it through Trinity College, where I went undergrad. And I'm on the board of both NYU Stern and Trinity. And then also um, American Heart Association. And through that, we focus on Go Red for Women, basically making sure we're dealing with women and heart disease, because heart disease is the number one killer of women yes. and men. Yes. But most of the research for many, many years has related has been done only on men, mm-hmm. related to men. So do that. And also, we fund social entrepreneurs through the American Heart Association, the American Heart Association Social Impact Fund, also a number of cancer organizations. And then we get into maybe it's not always women in marginalized populations, but cancer is cancer. It affects all of us. And then, of course, other organizations like the Campaign Against Hunger. And as I mentioned earlier, gun safety, every town for gun safety, and Sandy Hook Promise. and, So on. What are you dreaming
1: bigger about next?
0: I'm focusing, I'm loving my book tour because I get to talk about what we've talked about, the lessons based on what I did right and what I did wrong. I get to meet amazing people like you, women like you, entrepreneurs like you. And I'm loving every minute of it. And I'm learning from you. I'm dreaming of more of that in 2024. That's my plan. Beyond that, all I know is I'm going to keep doing the philanthropy. Right now I'm involved and a lot of different causes. It's about 20 different causes. And I feel like I want to fine tune it a bit, focus a bit more because I certainly am trying to make an impact everywhere I can, but perhaps I could use a little more focus. So that's just my longer term plan. But right now I'm just enjoying the moment and sharing my experience and the knowledge and meeting amazing people like you and getting to learn from fabulous women like you.
1: Thank you. And then do you have like some trips to Spain or some property in Spain that's on your to-do Gosh, list? Gosh,
0: I appreciate that. You know, as far as Spain, which, um, yeah, I couldn't leave. I had the best experience of my life, the best year of my life when I did my junior year there. So you're right. I did go back a number of times. In, last year, in 2022, I was fortunate to go twice to Spain, which is crazy because I don't get to do that. I don't have Spain next year, but I will definitely— I want to go back to Portugal. I will definitely go back to Portugal and the food more travel. Is amazing
1: there. Yes, it's yeah. amazing.
0: Well, you lived in Angola, right? I did. But, I, but I've been to Portugal, everywhere. So I've been. You've everywhere. been lots yeah. of places. But yes, more travel, more international travel for sure. Yes, I mean that's definitely part of the plan as well.
1: And any new languages that you haven't already,
0: <gasps> I should. mastered. Oh, gosh, there are so many that I haven't mastered, but that's a great idea. Because as we know, learning languages, it's amazing for the brain when you're young. And it's amazing for the brain, <laughs> probably more important for the brain when you're not so young.
1: Yeah. So And it's and fun. It, and in the United States, and really, like, most parts of the world, they speak at least a minimum of two languages. Yes, So absolutely. it's something that you... Hopefully, we can have more of and an endless. Ex- I mean, really, we could go on and on and on. I really wish and hope that we can spend more time together. I'm so grateful for you being here today and saying yes. And, oh, so uh, am I. I want to learn so much from you and your experiences. I've already learned a lot from your book, but I hope to that we can stay in touch and stay connected, and that you'll you know still be. part of my life. Oh, absolutely.
0: (laughs) I would love that, Stacey. Yes. Thank you so much again for having me. I've loved the experience. I've been honored. I am honored. And yes, just thank you so incredibly much.
1: Thank you. So go out and get this book. It is life-changing, especially if you are a woman entrepreneur, if you're a corporate professional, if you're a student. This is such a great read to help you prepare and have a know tips and strategies for having a successful business.